you know how when they when you get ready to sing they have all those vocal exercises <laughs> yeah me 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 fa so la 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 whatever fa so la di do <laughs> is it no. what's the rest of it <gasps> you're recording i am dun 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 <laughs> all right go Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me I have Blake McCullough and Don Terrell. So, Don, what are we doing today? Uh, today, Jacob, cut the music. <laughs> All right, so the music cut. We're still getting some feedback on the inbox. Mm. Customer service. We gotta make the people happy. That's right. They can't. They can't process our words and our music at the same time. Uh, today. We are going to venture off. Well, actually, I like this recording schedule because the listening audience doesn't know that we're actually recording the same week that it'll release. Yeah. I like that. It's hard to turn them that quick, so we started mm. recording in advance. Mm. And then um, Jacob got married. I think we had snow Congratulations. Yeah. What else threw us off? Lots of things. Lots of things. I started back I was to sick. work in I had person. stomach virus. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Again? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so literally after, <laughs> after this episode, bro, this, this, this like stomach virus, though, is not a joke. It hit your house. It hit Don's house. <laughs> like, I have three, three Don, friends. It hit one person in yeah, my yeah. house. Three friends in our area. <laughs> oh, God. We got to believe that. Messaged, uh, messaged Beth yesterday. Weird. Or what did he do? people from their name? household messaged Beth yesterday like, yeah, we all have stomach virus. from, And it's like, it's just making its way through everybody. Just rain down paper towels mm. Jake, like manna. Jake. Jake Wilcox. Messaged me after J-W. he listened. After he listened to the last uh, podcast with a picture of paper towels. Yeah. He loves you then. I went, I went to Sam, so I'll bring you some. I love getting paper towels at Sam's. <clears throat> I, I have a Sam's membership for paper towels and toilet paper. I love their toilet paper. Yeah, the member's same. mark. Oh, yeah. What else do I get there? Oh, the Tide Pods. Bounce sheets. Do you eat them? Do you do the challenge? No. <laughs> no I just figured. Uh, what else do I get there? I, I usually get industrial size bags, or actually they're containers of jelly beans. Whoa. You're a container of jelly beans? I get trash bags, because <laughs> they sell them like 160, so you only have to buy like a year maybe this it. shirt came from Sam's. wow it know. looks like it is came that from a Sam's? new material that's not <laughs> flannel it's not a sweatshirt or whatever you were saying <laughs> things that will never stop i know right and rightfully so <laughs> he just loves when it turns away from him he's like oh someone like, else is gonna make fun like, of 96 96 percent in my direction yes i do like it it's not pointed at me it's all of a sudden he's just glowing over there <laughs> what a glorious thing he's got my cookie dough standing in front of the fridge smile. <laughs> he did like a gremlin that's right <laughs> All right, so what are we doing today? Uh, we are recording presently for the week that it will release. We were going to record an episode last week that would have released on the date that we were supposed to release it. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Wow. <laughs> but somewhere along the lines, we were going to have an episode around why 
we are doing Old Testament survey, oh, yeah. which mm-hmm. actually happens now, today. We can say today. This day that we're recording. Yeah. And it begins in earnest and carries itself all the way through March. And so we've deleted that concept and we're going back to the concept that we had originally agreed on. I agreed on. <laughs> I'm about to say, like, you don't which, consult us. <laughs> which is God's discipline as love slash suffering. Mm. Okay. All right. So before we begin, did you know... I'm about to blow the lid off of Chick-fil-A. Oh, no. oh, you've been so pumped about I this. I have. The people need to know. So not only have we documented that their their sandwiches are shrinking. That's a fact. It's a fact. It has MSG in it. Oh, no. We're all... Dude, that's highly addictive. <gasps> yep. They're roping you they're in. They're crack dealers. They are. <laughs> they're tiny little chicken they sandwiches. So, small. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Side I was watching. this conversation is I now plan on eating Chick-fil-A for dinner. Same. What does MSG do? It's like a preservative. It, it is. It, it, I think it, but it no, does provide I think some it, flavor. It provides the flavor umami. Yeah. Oh, I bet you're right. Which is like the mushroom. Yeah, which is the flavor that no one knows about, but it's a flavor. It is. Yeah. Are you looking it up like? It improves taste. Yeah. That's all it says. It's the earthiness. What's it has the become side an important additive for the food industry because it doesn't compromise flavor if lower quality or less fresh ingredients are used. Ooh. So is Chick Fil A's ingredients I not fresh? I mean, it is like one of the only places where they legit bread the chicken True right story. before they fry it. Yeah. yeah. So. So then, in this documentary, it was talking about the. Of course, you found out about this in the Did documentary. Did you watch a documentary the on The food Chick-fil-A? halo? Are you familiar with this halo? Mm-mm. So it's all a marketing scheme that like all these fast food restaurants now have all of these healthy items that don't actually provide, like no one orders them. No. They're not money makers. Right. But what they do is they provide this marketing halo around the thing that's unhealthy. Mm. So you go in... Thinking you're entering the health zone and you order the chicken nuggets. Yeah, or the Big Mac (laughs) or the quarter pounder, but everything on the wall is fresh, healthy, you know, chopped tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Like it's this. It gives it a glow. Yeah. And then when Mm -hmm. you look actually on the ingredients of what you're eating, it's MSG in it, Mm -hmm. which is just further offense. It's depravity. Offense. (laughs) How dare you, Chick-fil-A? We trusted you. (laughs) All right. um, (laughs) Today, I don't really have real notes. Wow. I have cliff notes. Hmm. These notes that are cliff notes, are you teetering on the edge? Like, like help me understand... I thought it was Cliff's Are they Cliff's notes? notes? So it's Cliff. We should be thankful that Cliff yeah, went ahead. shout out to Cliff. Wait, I there's was thinking Spark it's... Notes. Our generation Aren't used Spark, Spark Notes, notes so yeah. I don't really know anything about Cliff's, <gasps> Cliff's yeah, well, notes. Yeah, Spark Notes. Really? Yeah. You know what's funny? I remember being in school, and we were for, <laughs> we were we were required <laughs> to read... He's struggling with the mic, yeah. I'm about to just had to hold it. We were, we were required to read The Pilgrim's Progress, and I didn't want to. And so I use the Spark Notes for the Pilgrim's Progress, which wow. is hilarious. 
That's so weird, Put dude. Y'all didn't have, y'all don't have, you never, gr- oh, goodness, no cliff notes. No I cliff know what notes. they are, like the black and yellow book. Mm-hmm. Little tiny book. Oh, there was, a, can, there was like a publication? So we had, yeah, we had no. the internet Mm-mm. when we went to school. <laughs> wow. wow. And we actually, we had, we, had, fired. we had vehicles that would take us to and from, didn't have to walk uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> but you and Grenada shirts were an... <laughs> A new invention when no, you, no, no, no. Shirts, when you shirts, came north. Shirts were required, um, but they just got to the point where they required you to have sleeves. Oh, did you yeah. wear shorts and boots? Always. And normally I tucked, you had to tuck your blue jeans into your boots. And if you didn't. Seriously? There was major discipline. Are you trolling? Ugh. Of course I'm trolling. Oh, God. Though I, like... I did, I could not have any emblems on my clothes. And so one day... This may, anyway, so one day I was walking through the school and I had a, this was, it kind of weirded me out. I had an emblem on my belt, right? Was and it? so this lady walks up to me and says, there's an emblem on your belt. And my first thought was, why are you looking at my belt? <laughs> what was the emblem on your belt? It was, it was an American Eagle emblem. Oh, and then she put oh. duct tape over it. I had a belt, a Western belt growing up and it had my name on the back. Mm. Just mm. said Don. <laughs> and then my mom took me to the fair. And my dad was on the police force when I was growing up. Actually, after I was born, mm. he was no longer on the police force. But yeah. He spent nine years on the Memphis Police Department. And we came back from the fair and we had these, as kids, my mom had like let us play these games and it had these um, feathers that had like leather straps on the feathers, yeah. but then there was a clip up here. Mm. And the clip was a tiny little clip. They called it a roach clip. And so I come home and my dad's like, why did you buy our children roach clips? And that's literally what they were. They were drug paraphernalia. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. I say, they rounded them all up and threw all our feathers away because of the little clip on there. I just wanted the feathers. (laughs) Like, like, I'm six. (laughs) They're evil. Throw them away. All right, so... Cliff notes. Okay. This is today's episode. I have cliff notes. Oh. That's it. So I'm going to need mm. you both. Step up. Step up. So Be active. Just to clarify, I'm yeah. not sitting on the couch. I'm involved in this You one. are involved. Okay, You're bringing your whole self to this episode. I'm here mm. for it. Blake's here. We're all here. And so with that, God's discipline <laughs> is love. <laughs> so I have what? We were missing something. The idiom? Yeah. So with that, we will dangle from the cliff. <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> it's, I don't have an idiom written in here. I did find really interesting the cliff note piece. So you can help me you can help me with an idiom on that. Yeah, we'll try to think through that one. All right, Hebrews thirteen. Excuse me. Twelve. Five through eleven. Mm-hmm. Was it thirteen or twelve? I think it's twelve. Hebrews twelve five through eleven. You mean to read it? Yeah. <clears throat> and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, for the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and chastises every son whom he receives. 
It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So this week we got some feedback that there's some other members of our congregation that are thinking and living in podcast. But we have a real audience. (laughs) (laughs) So it's warranted. (laughs) And so the name of this make-believe podcast is Breakfast at Stephanie's. The names. Names. These are the names. The options. That this creative team Hmm. Is thinking through. Should we hire them for our marketing? We it's it sounds like they're ready. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> breakfast at Stephanie's. Yeah, that's like you you could start with the theme breakfast at Tiffany's, <laughs> like just the music in the background. How awesome would that be? Okay, anyway. All right, so breakfast at Stephanie's number one. Number two, Mershi Hill. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. That's my favorite. Two. Number three, no she nanigans. Mm. Offensive. Yeah. yeah. Number four ideologies and recipes and the note is there is no audience <laughs> like, like, <laughs> i love that like don't get concerned it's not real <laughs> it's like, so the disclaimer is there is no audience and it's never been recorded <laughs> I think that's funnier than all the names. <laughs> was that in the text? Was that yeah. In the, I didn't even read that yeah. part. I was too busy laughing. But at we have the best discussions. And so their discussion, you want to give some background on this? Like what the... I'm trying to remember. You got a Facebook message. I'm not on Facebook. No, I don't think... No, it was, it was a, a comment. No, it, was a, <clears throat> it was a comment on Facebook? It was, a, it was a Facebook comment. That's like when someone says something about your post. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. yeah, yeah. So what was I'm the trying post? To find it. Did I send it to you? Did I, I don't remember, to be honest. <laughs> Things happen so quickly I saw on Facebook. It the other day, though, was it on which? One? I really don't, I don't know who posted. Lawson said, "Curious, what prompted this?" And it's replies to your comment on uh, Crystal Sensaba Thomas's post. So, what did? Oh, she she posted something that I was really in, that I was really encouraged by, and it was that bad theology hurts people. Oh, okay, and. I mean, I think we can all take into account people who have been wounded by bad theology. Right. I, mean, I think we've had people who have made their way into this congregation who have come in wounded by bad theology. Mm. And so, like, the conversation was, as as bad theology is propagated, people are harmed. Like, really genuinely harmed and perhaps even everlastingly so. So you messaged Crystal I messaged said, back and said, I'm curious what prompted this. Yeah, you said discussion. Oh, and she answers you and says, discussion yesterday with my friends about suffering. Did mm. she say friends? Friends. What does that mean? I don't it, know. I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so evident as believers walk through hard things when they have been fed sound doctrine. As you say, mm-hmm. nothing displays the glory of the gospel like a saint who suffers well. Yeah. So I thought this was timely in the fact that we had an episode pending to drop mm-hmm. and come in and have a conversation around 
suffering but yeah. this was this was an interaction actually this week yeah so this will be the same week that the episode drops um which obviously breakfast at Stephan- stephanie's yeah is uh with the huckabee family yeah and for those that you know don't know that are listeners uh drew huckabee one of our elders uh passed away and went home to be with the lord and so part of this conversation is rooted in the experience of seeing a saint and and saints, plural, mm-hmm. uh, suffer and suffer well. And she's quoting Lawson, which says, nothing displays the glory of the gospel like a saint who suffers well. You want to put some... Yeah. Um, when... So some of this is in my history. I was told really early on in life because of some difficulties, really my, my cancer diagnosis, which was... Um, when I was about 10, that this was not in God's plan for your life. This was mm-hmm. not in his will. And I remember being really, going back to bad theology hurts people, I remember being really wounded by that because my first thought is, like, my entire life people have said over me that God is in control, mm-hmm. that God is sovereign. And then this man who is was my Sunday school teacher mm-hmm. says to me, this was not in God's plan for your life. And I'm like, well then who's pulling the strings? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that sent me down a, I mean, like there was, there was my conscience was trained when I was growing up, but, and then just as time progressed, I watched men suffer well. And remember just thinking, my goodness, these people, they trust the Lord, they believe the gospel. And as they suffer underneath, real difficulty, real trial, and real tribulation, man, they just adorn the gospel. But then you look at Scripture, and it's like over and over and over and over again in Scripture, we see men go through trial and tribulation, and here we are sitting in our very comfortable world, and we say, oh, no, 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 there shouldn't be suffering, there shouldn't be difficulty. And so when saints actually have to go through what is inevitable, um, they're freaking out, like, how in the world can this be? How can this happen? How can there be suffering? And they would ask questions like, where is Jesus? Mm-hmm. And it's like, brother, he, he told you mm-hmm. that there would be suffering in this world, and he also told you, not only from his own lips, but through the lips of the apostles, that this is to the praise of his glorious grace. Mm-hmm. Um, First Peter is always what comes to mind, that that suffering um, is a refining fire that produces a faith that is more pure than gold. Mm-hmm. Um and creates in the heart of a believer a mind that is set on eternal things. Mm. Yeah, I think often, you know, current, at least, you know, current cultural context is, you know, we flee to what is comfortable. Yeah. You know, pain is never, you know, pain is always uh, doctored, if you will. You know, and so it's like, I remember, uh, and I think, you know, to speak in this regard to people, you, you have to have a relationship. Yeah. And so I remember sitting in the car with um, Lawson yeah. when he had gotten some news about... Um, you can say it. You know, you know, okay, about his ability to have kids, yeah. uh, fertility-wise. And, you know, he just... You know, you this were still sitting there in my to car. I if I liked you or not. Right. <laughs> his head drooped, and I, all I said was he disciplines the ones that he loves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to me, like when, when I can't make sense out of, you know, something that it obviously is, is broken, mm-hmm. you know, like in the midst of suffering and, and pain, you know, it's like often, you know, 
the scripture that I've always gone to is it never feels like discipline and love when you're in the midst of it. Yeah. It's always a, it's always momentary affliction. Yeah. And that's painful. Mm. And so I don't think we can, we can rob the moment of its actual pain. Mm-hmm. But I think what we can do is fix our eyes on the one who is sovereign over all things. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, you know, I think many people suffer and we question why we are suffering. And that goes back to bad theology, you know, yeah. even like within, you know, contextually like under, you know, marriage. Mm-hmm. It's like my, my whole phrase is marriage is not meant to make you happy. It's meant to make you holy. Yeah. And I, that's something that like I, you know, I've had to, you know, wrestle with in my own journey as a married mm-hmm. man um, with with Julie and I, you know, that, that God used our marriage to discipline the both of us. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, you know, what, what arena in the life, the life, I mean, what arenas in the, in, in the saint's life is off, li- is yeah. off limits yeah. to God's use of it to discipline those that he loves. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you're shaking nothing. your head. No. no, there's nothing. And I do think what's interesting in that, you know, like I still think, um, in regard to infertility and like the wounds that that's caused in my life, I think that we're really tempted to pray, Lord, remove the wound, mm-hmm. right? Like it makes me think of the fiery serpents um, where they have rebelled against God. God sends fiery serpents mm-hmm. to bite the people. And they and what they request is, is ha- Lord, have the, have the Lord remove these fiery serpents. Mm-hmm. And it really like there's still people dying from the venom that's coursing through their veins. Mm. It's like, they're asking like, Oh, remove the serpents, remove the serpents. It's like, what about all the people that are dying? Mm -hmm. And so what does God to do? He provides a a deeper remedy, which is like, here, look at this bronze serpent. If you look at this bronze serpent, you'll be healed. And I think a lot of times we're so busy asking for like, Lord, remove the serpents, remove the things that are causing us difficulty. We we forget that there's a deeper restoration that needs to take place. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, as as difficult as it is to deal with infertility and even seeing other other types of suffering in the world, I think the Christian has to look past the momentary affliction mm. into the eternal glory. And it's like, I didn't know when I sat in that car with you that that I had a that that God had preordained mm. a child to enter my home. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If I if if we didn't have struggles with infertility, she wouldn't be in our home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. what a deeper glory. Mm-hmm. And I would have ne- I would have never asked for it. I would have never planned it. And to be real honest, like I think we would look at that situation and say, oh no no no, you should pray for this. And I'm like no no no, we pray for the glory of God to be manifest amid mm-hmm. suffering. And it's mm-hmm. always better. It's always a deeper restoration mm-hmm. for the Christian that is. Yeah, and I think often like sometimes we allow the culture to infiltrate our thinking Mm -hmm. and provide each other worldly advice. You know, it's like when you say there's nothing that preaches the gospel better than a saint who suffers well. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that there's, I don't, you know, it's like what, what, you know, what, what advice does the world give someone Mm. who's struggling with infertility? What advice does, does the world give mm. someone who is sitting in a in a moment in a in a in a marriage which is 
for all intents and purposes, bankrupt. Hmm. You know, what does the world give and give advice to someone who is watching a loved one pass? Hmm. You know, it's like, you know, for me, it's like what you're pointing every, you know, what you're pointing the saint to is yes, like the suffering is real and it's momentary and there's definitely affliction, but pick your eyes up. Yeah. You know, pick your eyes up and see, um, you know, you and I talked about this around fertility loss and it's like, you know, there, I mean, science can provide you Mm -hmm. the means to have a child. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, we went as far as to say, um, you know, it's almost like the, the bomb the world gives scientifically creates another problem. Mm Yeah. You know, we talked about, you know, it's like, you know, um, in vitro, you know, freezing of mm-hmm. you know fertilized eggs, and now you've got an issue where Snowflakes. snowflake adoption. Mm-hmm. You know, where you have all these, um, you know, eggs that are actually people fertilized, yeah, uh, frozen, and so you know, it's like. But I guess you know, thinking about through those mm-hmm. through those frames, and that that's not the only arena in which people suffer and can, and and can you know preach the gospel with their life. Yeah. But you know, what does what it, what it, what is some of the advice that the world gives to some of those situations, I think is what I wanted to touch on. It seems like all the advice is material. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like you're not a parent unless you have a child physically. You're not, mm. you're not living unless you're living on earth. You're not, you're not, mm. um, you're not having, you know, like your marriage is worthless if it's not leading to your happiness. Yeah. If your spouse point. is quote unquote toxic, then, you know, all you have is this life it should be lived about for you. Mm. I mean, and so I think Mm. a lot of that advice is the physical is all that you have Mm. and it's the highest, the highest good. Mm. So make sure that it's right, you know, Mm. which is. Yeah. You touched on something. It reminded, I, I I won't name people, but it's someone very close to me has said, yeah, but that's not that. That's not their real child. Mm. You're talking is the about kid real? someone <laughs> All I'm doing that's is adopted the right now. <laughs> you know, someone that's adopted, it's like, you know, Ooh. talking about like mm-hmm. for the believer, it's like if you're, a, if you have a, you know, Lawson, it's like you have an adopted child. I mean, this is no different than a biological. I mean, she's yours. Yeah. And it's a glorious picture of the gospel that, right. <laughs> you know, I didn't get to choose my kid. Yeah. There's a, there's a phrase that I get every so often. And it's like, so do you have any children of your own? And it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you wanted to get punched in the throat today. <laughs> like, I'm, it teased me that off escalated so quickly. <laughs> it teased me off so bad. It's like, I here, like, yes. I, I mean, like, I can, I can literally be standing there holding her, mm. and it's like, mm. if you, if you tell her that I'm not her father, mm. and if you tell me that she's not my daughter, bro, like, I, I, and I. There are things that just trigger me, and I know I, sh- I, I hurt my feeling to use that word. Triggered. What? It's just so. But I mean, from a legal perspective, when you think about my like, name's on her birth certificate. Yeah. Well, yeah. and two, like it, it cannot be revoked. Mm. No. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. my kids. <laughs> <laughs> you ask them. <laughs> I'll send you all. Pack yeah. the bags. Yeah. 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 And it's like you know, I just but. But that goes back, like all, all of all of the suffering and all the difficulty and all the trial. Like that's where I think we have to remember what Paul says in Romans eight. Ooh, you're taking. Yeah, I love it. 
Yeah, it's like these things aren't worthy to be compared to future glories. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and and I think even when we begin to compare them to future glories, mm-hmm. we're 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 really disregarding Paul's words. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I've I've heard this story multiple times, and I, I'm sure that most of you have probably heard the story of Lazarus being dead and, and why Jesus wept over that and the whole concept is he's bringing him back to a life and he's going to have to die again and all those things. And, you know, I'm not so sure that that's the exact interpretation of that passage, but I think that there is some reality to it. Mm-hmm. Like, for those who have tasted the the glory of being free from the body, free from sin, free from suffering, and living unto God without that shackle left, it's like, it, it's like do we really believe mm. in the spiritual life that we preach? And do we believe that God can use suffering to, to vivify it? Mm. Like I'm convinced. Define vivify. Give life, <laughs> give all the more life to mm. it. Like it's, it's, it's in the midst of our suffering. And I, and I can at bare minimum attest to this. And I imagine that pretty much every saint who understands suffering can, mm. which is like in the midst of my suffering, I was more alive unto God than I've ever been mm-hmm. because in, in the midst of that, my hands are open. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer laying hold of this world and doing everything I can to cling to it. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm, I'm, my hands are being pried open, mm-hmm. but they're being pried open unto life and life mm-hmm. eternal. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle, I don't, I don't know if I've ever said this to y'all, but I, I struggle with some anxiety around my health that I'm sure is, it's common to man, but for me, it's like, if I get a knee ache, I'm like, oh, I have cancer again, great. Yeah. Um, like, mm-hmm. those are things that I deal with on the regular, but I always notice there's something that marks my life that leads me to that anxiety, and it's prayerlessness. Mm-hmm. When I live in a state of prayerlessness, which I think... I remember who said it, but is prayerlessness is practical atheism. Mm. And it's like, I am living as if I am not dependent on God, mm. that he is not my fellowship and my life and my joy. Mm. And in the midst of prayerlessness, anxiety rises because I'm finding my life here instead mm. of with him. Mm. No one can take my life if it's hidden with Christ. Mm-hmm. But as I aim to fasten myself to the world, my life is robbed from mm-hmm. me. Mm. Um, there's uh, the book... Um, I'm trying to think of the the lady's name, Elizabeth Elliot. Yeah, uh, Beauty from Ashes. Yeah, like that. That's always that the title of that book. Yeah, right. Is always like, you know, what the you Christian describe. It is. <laughs> it is. It, it really in is title, <laughs> in a sentence. And so that you know, it's uh, you touch on Romans eight, but I was thinking about the promise so of Romans eight seventeen. Yeah, and it says, and if and if children than mm-hmm. heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Yeah. In order that we may also be glorified with him. Mm. So is suffering a promised mark of the Christian life for all to participate in? Yeah, I actually read something today. Someone said that suffering is uh, in the fine print of the Christian's life. And oh, I was like, yeah. No, no <laughs> like it's not. It's in the big bold yeah, print, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think I think of hey, what whisper Paul said, what the Bible whispers about now. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I think you know thinking about what he Paul says, count said. The cost. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm I'm saying like he has counted it for us. Like he is he has blessed us with suffering. Mm-hmm. That's in Philippians mm-hmm. two one. It's in there. I believe you. Uh, that like it has been granted. It's been granted for me to suffer. It's been granted for us. To suffer. Which Paul's speaking specifically of self there. 
I've been granted to suffer for Christ. Yeah. It's Philippians 1. For it has been, verse 29 of Philippians 1, for his, it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear I, that I still have. And so it is, I mean, it is included in, in the whole uh, of the Christian life. Mm, yeah. Um, I want to add to some, some perspective yeah, for that. There's, there's this idea of like a, a, a long lasting suffering mm. that the, it seems to me the scripture denies. Mm-hmm. And that's in first Peter one. Um, we only suffer for a little while and if necessary. I'm on my phone right now trying to find that verse because <laughs> yeah. it, it, first it Peter says, one. yeah, is it first Peter one? Yeah. First Peter one, because like verse in, seven or eight. And then he, he, he like comes to you and, and heals you. Hmm. Right? Isn't that the picture he's painting? Um, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in the praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's not... It's verse 6. Yeah, I don't know the healing language you're speaking of, but... um, I mean, it's it's that text that I think is really paramount in our understanding of suffering. And I think the the mental switch that has to take place. And I can confess like this, I think this is the hardest thing to grasp is that all suffering in this life is a momentary affliction, Hmm. but that, that only can be grasped if we live in the light of eternity. Mm -hmm. If we don't, then a night can be an endless bout of suffering. Like I think of uh, one night Hmm. before I had my gallbladder removed, it was the night before I preached John one, one, I was terrified (laughs) <laughs> because I literally did not sleep. I had a gallbladder attack all night. Um, and I remember laying down in bed for the first time that evening. Well, it was 6 a.m. at this point. And I really found myself um, in tears. And it wasn't in tears because of the pain, though the, it, was, it, was the, it was tears of, um, of this is only temporary. Like it just connected with me that day that a night though it is sorrowful and painful like there is joy in the morning mm. and that morning will come and it will last forever mm. yeah it makes me think of john 9 when the disciples say mm. to jesus with the man who's born blind yeah like who sinned caused this man to be born blind and it's like the worst thing they could think of for this guy's life is that he was blind yeah and it's like jesus says no his, his blindness is actually just to show my power yeah at this moment you know mm-hmm. And much of that power is demonstrated in a supernatural comfort amidst mm-hmm. great suffering. Yeah. Keep going, y'all. Have to fill up the time. So, the, <laughs> so the, this 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 leads me to because I, I think it, remember this podcast. If you listen to it and you're not a part of this congregation, like we love you, we're grateful for you, but we we make this podcast really for our congregation. Um, the last time I went to visit Drew um, before he passed away. Um, I sat down next to him and I had the unique privilege of being able to sit down and ask him about his soul and care for him. And I know that Stephanie just did an astonishing job of reading the scriptures to him, of caring for him and, um, and just being, just being an overall blessing and example in ways that, um, I still see fruit from, from other people. Like I have people come tell me of the grace that God has bestowed upon them from their, them suffering well. Hmm. But as I sat next to Drew, um, I always ask him about his soul, about his comfort. And, uh, and by comfort, I meant like comfort of the Lord. And um, the last thing he said to me before I, before I left that day was, um, 
was praise the father. Hmm. And it was in one of the, I mean, just to hear, to hear him in the midst of something that we look at, we look at suffering like that and you think I could never do that. Right. Hmm. I could never endure that the way. And I do think that we have, we have all been given a great privilege of watching a man of the great God suffer in a way that glorified the Lord in, in ways and in, in it that I, I don't know we'll see the full fruit of. I think that there will be souls brought into the kingdom through men that Drew discipled and through men that, that were discipled by Drew's and their continued ministry that will make their way into the kingdom because of his faithfulness. But I think he, he finished so well amid suffering because he had his eyes on eternal things. Mm. Um, and that's just a reason to, we always want to thank God for the, thank God as the giver and not just thank him for the gift. But mm. I think sometimes looking at the gift and praising the Lord for it is one of the best ways to, to worship him amidst that. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really grateful that Mercy Hill had the privilege of having an, like one of the qualifications for elder, one of the things that we're meant to do is to demonstrate um, and I'd, I'd not sure that most churches get the privilege of watching one demonstrate faithfulness, obedience, affection, um, unto death the way mm. that he did. Mm. So all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Yeah. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness yeah. to those who have been trained by it. So, you know, you're touching on the mystery, right, yeah. of a, a life that continues to testify. Yeah. Like, in, in what way, like, do you, do you interpret that scripture that it yields the peaceful fruit mm -hmm. of righteousness to those who have been trained by it? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think really, I mean, we're going to use his illustration. I think the best way to see that is inside of the relationships that parents have with their children mm. is like right now. So this morning, Rowan, Beth told Rowan a very clear command to not, she loves to get in and out of the shower, right? It's, it's the shower's <laughs> off, but she just goes in and she plays with the soap. Oh, yeah. It's a nightmare. And, um, <laughs> and so like I told, Beth told her no, and I look up and she's in the shower playing with soap. And, and it's like, this is, this is a time of discipline because that's, that's, a, that's a direct disobedience to a mm -hmm. command. And it's like the whole reason that, we, that I discipline her in those moments isn't because the soap's so dangerous. It's because disobedience is. Mm -hmm. Like, if she disobeys me while we're outside playing and there's cars driving by, mm -hmm. that, that disobedience can lead unto death. Mm -hmm. and, and I think what we see in the Lord's discipline of his people is his discipline is that discipline that is, it's far more effective because it's removing those lasting remnants of sin. Mm. Um, it's that more, so like the Puritan terms, I've already said vivification, we'll go mortification. So mortification of the flesh, put to death the misdeeds of the flesh by the spirit. Mm. And so the spirit is that disciplining force in our life that takes suffering from just suffering mm. to suffering as discipline. Mm. And that's specifically for like, he disciplines his children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Suffering for the unbeliever is suffering. Mm. It's the due penalty of their perversion. Mm. But for the Christian, our suffering is the loving hand of our Father to discipline us, to remove those lasting remnants of sin and death from us mm. so that we might live eternally unto him. 
And what way does that play into, uh, you know, someone who's gone home to be with the Lord, mm. right? And apart from us, they will not be made perfect. Yeah. So not yet glorified, but yet absent from the body, present with the Lord. Mm. And so, you know, um, it, the scripture describes there's a myriad of angels around the throne yeah. and the, the cloud of witnesses, right, of the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And yeah. so absent from sin, but yet not been gl- given that glorified body, but yet beholding the King of kings and the Lord of mm-hmm. lords. And so, you know, it says that in the end, that by the word of their testimony, they conquered the enemy. Yeah. And so it seems to me that because Jesus is in doing all things in the lives of his people, yeah. like not all the books in the world can contain all that he has accomplished in mm-hmm. the lives of his people. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it said before, it's not original to me, if, if I was to read all that God, Christ Jesus, has done in Lawson's life, I would spend my entire life reading Lawson's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in what way does the, the word of their testimony continue on to encourage the saint? Yeah, so clar- clarify just a little bit more. We're, so it's like, you know, obviously we, we, we know that those who are no longer with us, right, are yeah. absent from the body, are present with the Lord. But it's 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 not as if that their life doesn't continue to encourage. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying. It's mm-hmm. like the word of their testimony that they suffered well. It endures. Stands the test of time. Yeah. So here's 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 why it does that, right? It does that because it's the testimony of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. Like it's not great as the mystery of God. Yeah. Is. And, mm-hmm. and it's like well, there. You know, you think about it. Like there's biographies written of men, great men that we would uh, that we would applaud in many areas. But it's like. The, the lasting and enduring, the, the eternal testimony is not, will not be of, you know, of godly men. It's of the God that they serve, mm-hmm. right? His testimony goes on forever. And the conclusion, like that verse is prevailed against them by the, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, mm-hmm. right? It's that proclamation that goes forth. And, and so like in, in, the, in the testimony of Jesus Christ and the life of his people, that goes forth and it will continue to go forth, mm-hmm. Right. Because the testimony, the thing that binds all of our stories together is the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it matters not whether it's a sermon that I preach here or a brother who is in the Himalayas who's faithfully heralding the gospel. The central theme, the, the, the thing that will be heralded in eternity is the blood of the Lamb and the means and the, and the power in which he redeems. But I think that's what draws us to Christian biographies and even yeah. like the, sh- the short, you could call it a biography that you gave of Drew at, yeah. at, at his celebration of life. It was just like the, the central theme yeah. of all of those bi- biographies is look at these men who followed Christ mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and see how he was real yeah. in their lives and, and how their life was different because of it. Yeah. And it's a life worth em- emulating. Yeah. 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 And you know, the, the strange thing is we sell like, inside of Christian biographies and stuff like that, at least the good ones, they celebrate the work of Christ in their life, but they, but they never show the man as faultless, mm-hmm. right? Like that today we're doing Old Testament survey. And so like, we're going to look at the life of Joseph briefly. Joseph is a very peculiar story mm-hmm. in the context of scripture because there's really only three like him mm-hmm. and that, that meaning that there isn't a sin presented in his life. And mm-hmm. the whole purpose of that is to testify to the, to the one that, that will come that will be like Joseph, but infinitely better. Yeah. 
And and so, you know, like the mark of the Christian is no, 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 no. I like I'm grateful for the fruit that you've seen produced. I'm grateful for the testimony of Christ, but know that like if you're looking to me, mm. if you're looking to me, then you've missed the point. Mm-hmm. And I think in in our camp, like and by our camp, I mean like reformed Protestants, we can get in a lot of trouble there mm-hmm. um, of looking to men and saying, oh, I want to be just like them. No, you don't. <laughs> or nope. even or even Hebrews 11. I want to look at Hebrews 11 and be like, oh, I want to be like Abraham. I want to be like Samson. Nope. Um, I want to be like any of these men. It's like, no, no, no. If you're going to emulate anything in them, emulate who they look to. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hebrews begins with, or in chapter two, it says, for what is man mm-hmm. that you're mindful of? of him or the son of man that you care for him you made him for a little while lower than the angels you have crowned him with glory and honor putting everything in subjection under his feet now in putting everything in subjection to him he left nothing outside his control at present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels namely jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking through, you know, obviously that last enemy, right? All, all of his enemies have been placed under his feet. But at the present time, we do not yet see everything in subjection under yeah. his feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the saying, right? I think it's at 1 Corinthians 15. The saying will come to pass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, yeah. where is your sting? And so we still taste the sting of death, right? Yeah. We still feel that, but yet our eyes are fixed on our, you know, our triumphant king and the one who we know conquered hell, sin, death, the grave, the devil, the world, Mm. and the flesh. Mm. And when we look to him, we see victory, our Mm -hmm. victory. But yet, you know, I I think like ultimately, this question has been posed to me before, and so I want to talk about it. I think these two things are correlated together, which is... You know, the, the, the martyrs in Revelation 6, uh, 10, I believe, say they cried out with a loud voice, O oh, sovereign fine. Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So why does he tarry? Why does the Lord tarry and not return today? And what is, what is the demonstration of his tarrying? Why does, he, why does he demonstrate that patience? And to whom does he demonstrate it? And what will they give an account for? What are they spurning? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me. I wouldn't finish writing down the last one. <laughs> you asked like seventeen questions. All right, just they're all they're all correlated. Today is one. the day of salvation. Okay, <laughs> agreed. His patience is toward the elect. Yes, I don't remember the rest of the questions. So it seems to be that these in Revelation six ten cry out with a loud voice, "O sovereign Lord, holy and true, mm-hmm. how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on yeah. those who dwell on the earth?" Yeah. And, and a lot of times in, in, like, I think conversations I've had is like, well, that's the martyrs. And, and I would wholeheartedly say, yes, of course, of course mm-hmm. that is. But why death today? I, so I just, I, why, wait, wait, what now? Why death today? Why do we die today? Yeah, mm. yeah. Like, and so is that cry for all saints? Right, How me, long, oh Lord? Let me build the case here. Okay. Because I actually, we start, one of our first conversations was around this, and I was like, you're crazy, man. <laughs> um, I've heard it labeled, so the whole conversation is, yeah. is it is the death of a saint yeah. an unjust, unjust death? death? Go for it. Now define it. All right. So, the 
this is this is such a, an interesting conversation and i'm telling you like i just was so filled with hope when i kind of like grabbed hold of it and said yeah let's do that <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> some things don says yeah, yeah actually like, true yeah, yeah. <laughs> like six things not often um, <laughs> and all of five of them are the solas um, so so when i when i read this for the first time i was a pre-mill Right, like I'm a, I was a dispensational premillennialist, yeah. And so I'm reading through this, and I'm like, oh, this is speaking of, uh, you know, a specific, a very specific people. Those who were martyred, those were beheaded, those, you know. And um, but then as I as I thought about it more and more, and as I saw uh, John, I, I always go back to this when I'm dealing with with eschatology. But John 12, it, now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I and I see that, well, Christ absorbed the wrath of God for me. Mm. And part of that absorption was a physical death. Mm. So why then do I die? Mm. Why does my, my heart stop beating? Mm. And it's that last snare of sin mm. that, is, that obviously, and first and foremost, is trampled down by the death of Christ. Mm. But even that death, that atonement, that work is applied to me. And so why is it this body mm-hmm. will fail? And it's like, it's the last blow against sin. Mm-hmm. And it's that, that, that struggling against sin until the shedding of blood. Mm. And the beauty of this is like my physical death has already been paid for. And so why does a bodily resurrection occur? Mm. Because my physical death was paid for. And when Jesus was raised, he was raised Mm. to life unto God in the body. Mm. And so there is this, I think, mystery. I'll say it's mysterious in a sense that like, I don't, I can't, I can't place my finger on it exactly, but it seems as though the, the death of any saint is an unjust death that mm. will be made right mm. because he will live unto life and life eternal, not unto death and death eternal. Yeah, and the patience. So we would cry, yes, how long until how long. everything has made your footstool? And in Revelation it says, you know, uh, ultimately the spirit and the bride say come. Yeah. I mean, that's the cry of the saint. Mm-hmm. And we don't want any of God's children to not yeah. come to know him, right? right? And so we yeah. do understand the reasons for patience yeah. and tearing that there are like what you said, Blake, today is the day of salvation. Yeah. And so the great cry of today is he is Lord of today calling yeah. his children home. Mm-hmm. We would never want to interfere with that or close. That's time. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But you know, I think I told a, I told a guy the other day, I was sharing the gospel with him and he was very kind and it was a great conversation. And I said on the back end of it, I said, I said, you've, we've, we've had this conversation on a really intellectual level, but I just want to tell you something that, that there will be a day when your knee will hit the earth. Mm. And that, and in that day that your knee hits the earth and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, the time has come to an end. Mm. And so I plead with you, bow the knee now. Mm. Um, and I remember, I remember his reaction to that was like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no like I, I, don't, I don't think you get it. Mm-hmm. He's bringing in the fullness of the elect, mm. and I pray that you are a part of it. Mm. But regardless, your knee will hit the earth, mm. and I will not betray my king mm. by pretending as though you will not. Mm. You will. Mm. And, 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 and my cry of, Lord, Lord save him, mm. is, is paired with, Lord, conquer your foes. Mm. And I don't know which is which. Mm. Um, and so, I don't know, I've always found that, that that verse, and even as I worked back through it, it's like, I wonder the application that that has in our day. Like literally, as we're breathing here today, should we pray, Lord, how long? Mm. How long until you conquer mm. your foes? Well, your kingdom come, your yeah. will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And mm-hmm. so obviously that is, yeah. that is, that is something we, we should pray. 
Because but that I, day, sorry, that day brings forth that bodily resurrection mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. where we will where we will all be changed together. That's right. So I want to tie these two things together, okay. right? So is is the experience of death suffering and is it discipline? And therefore yes. is it mm-hmm. love? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So like Sunday, I even had a conversation with this at lunch. Like I said like if we would reclaim our understanding of death being the the last blow against sin it's mm. dead mm. no longer will i tr- like when i breathe my last breath my trespasses are full mm. i will not commit another sin because mm. if, if i'm in christ right mm-hmm. and it's like praise be to god for that disciplining hand mm. that removes it completely it's like mm. at that point i can say with confidence i've been freed from the consequence of sin i've been freed from the power of sin mm-hmm. but forevermore i'm free from its mm-hmm. presence and man if that's the discipline of the lord Sign me up, and mm. I, and I think you see this demonstrated in Paul's prayer, mm. right? When yeah. he when he writes, I think it's in Corinthians, where he says, "I, I long to be at home." Yeah, mm-hmm. but yet it must be, yeah, fruitful for me to be here. Although, like the here yeah. and the now, I mean, you you look at everything that he had been through, shipwrecked. Yeah. I mean, all the the thorn in his side, obviously mm. weeping and praying over the churches, and yet, yeah. like he would not question the plan that God had for him today, mm-hmm. but yet he longed, right, yeah. in prayer, in constant prayer, to be at home with mm-hmm. the Lord, which is mm-hmm. obviously, at the yeah. end of the story, it's the prayer and the cry of every saint. Mm-hmm. You know, church history teaches, and, I, and there's no, I mean, I can't, I don't have written authoritative record, but church history teaches that Paul sprinted to the chopping block. Man's blind, beaten, bent over, frail, and he's sprinting to the chopping block. Oh, the first time that man's ran in forever, mm-hmm. and he, he runs to the chopping block. And the whole premise is like, you know, you, you've heard him cry, who can save me from this body of death? Mm. Like he still viewed that body mm-hmm. as still like the remnants of sin remained and he longed to be free from it. Like mm-hmm. Romans 7, we always read like, oh man, this is a really interesting argument. It's like, no, this is a man who hates his sin. Mm-hmm. And we read it so tenderly and it's like, I think it should probably be read with some militant, mm-hmm. um, with some militant tone of mm-hmm. war against this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's tag this when we release this podcast. Um, I, there's a sermon that I think may be the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. And by heard, I mean read. I thought you were going to say the best sermon I've ever preached. I was like, whoa, what? No, 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 no. <laughs> Things you'll never hear me say. Um, I know, that's why I was yeah, like, whoa, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> um, it's it's um, St. Paul's Straight or Christ is Best by um, Richard Sibbs. Right. And if we could tag that, it, it's it's his sermon, a funeral sermon. And it is by and far one of the best sermons I've ever read in my life. Mm. And it deals with all of this. And really the the major thing it deals with is Christ is best. Mm. Like the the Paul's statement when he says, it's better for me to depart and be with the Lord wasn't a farce. Mm-hmm. Like he was saying, mm-hmm. I believe I, no, I don't even believe this. But it is true. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's true. Mm-hmm. And his whole thought is like, if we could really lay hold of Christ is best, mm. Then we would our world would be look mm. a lot different. Mm-hmm. So in conclusion, I have a Bible verse, and it is Second Corinthians chapter five, verses one through five. And it says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, 
but that we would be further clothed, Hmm. so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So with that, I would like to thank my fellow elders, Lawson Harlow and Blake McCullough, for the time spent today. I have no cute idiom other than... (laughs) The spirit and the bride say come. Yeah. <laughs> my brothers and my friends, Godspeed.